I'd like to welcome everybody to another episode of Truth Seekers. We have Jana joining us today, and we'll be introducing her shortly. I'd like to remind everybody where they can find Coach Nick and myself and the uh, Truth Seekers podcast on ProAdvisorCoach.com, anywhere where you watch your podcasts, YouTube. We also are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And a quick reminder to send in your questions, either via email or video, and we will play them on the air and answer them on an episode. So without further ado, Jana, welcome. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Truth Seekers. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we can take this in so many different directions. I was actually on your podcast last week. We had quite a conversation. I think where I'd like to start today is by asking you about something that's in your profile. And we joked around about LinkedIn profiles last week, but there's something in there, some verbiage about focusing on building something more than just a business. And I'm curious what that means to you, if you don't mind describing. So my company, Papercraft Miracles, came out of my own experiences with traumatic events in my early 20s. And making the art that I was making literally saved me when I had nothing. And it gave me a way to relate to other people while I was dealing with traumatic events. And so for me, my business has always been hard to say, but the, the meaning of it and what it can do for the world and what it does for me is so much more important than making money. Like, obviously, yes, I want to make money because I don't want to be broken. I want to take care of my family and, um, and do that. Right. But that's not why I do it. I don't do it to make money. And I think that it's, it's so much more than a business for me. <laughs> it's like my way of life. Yeah, I think, and I think we can have, we can have it both ways. I think something happens when we don't do it for the money. Um, it's kind of like my pursuit my, in coaching it was maybe the first professional decision I made that, that did not prioritize the money, knowing that the money would come naturally as I provided value for people. But I had to put myself in the most natural setting where I felt comfortable uh, helping other people. And it just happened to be coaching. And then the money follows after that. And it's one of the principles that coach and I talk so much about is that money follows value. If you provide value, there's ways that, you know, money shows up or, or other, there's other forms of value too. Money's just one form of value, but I, yeah. So what resonates the most with me is, is just doing something that feels purposeful because that's when you, that's, that's where you really get the validation from. That's where things just feel right. And I think if you do that for money's sake, it, it has a sense of reward to it, but it, it can't last by its nature. It has to be, it has to be like the side effect of it. And I think that's somewhat of a new perspective, at least if you think in generation, generation wise, right? That wasn't what our parents thought of, you know, that's it's something that's more along the lines of a, a recent discovery, I guess, is what you would might call it. But um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I just, especially over this past year and a half, I think a lot of people are just not settling anymore for doing something that, you know, the time is too short. Why, why are we going to spend it doing something that doesn't, you know, get us going, give us energy and, and that we're passionate about? Yeah. I, I mean, from a, I don't know, I guess a marketing standpoint as well. I mean, in the society we live in, and there is marketing and advertising literally everywhere. You can't get away from it. And people are so burnt out on being sold to. And 
it's not something that when I first started my company, I, you know, was like, oh, well, I don't want to, you know, make it seem like I'm too salesy. I better try and be really authentic and genuine. I just was. And when you have a purpose-driven business, a mission-driven business, um, traditional marketing doesn't work very well. Um, and being this pure, authentic, real person that reaches out into the world and says, Hey, you got, you're dealing with this type of problem. I got you. Um, it really resonates with people and it doesn't feel like they're being sold to they're being helped. And, you know, even though my business is, you know, if you looked at it on paper, you'd say, okay, well, this business does like traditional luxury extra stuff, right? It's not, it's high end gifting. (laughs) That's like where the niche where I fit. Right. But it still helps people. And I help people celebrate their family members and I help people memorialize people who are gone. And I help people find the words when they don't know what to say. And you know, the money follows, I guess. But for me, like I, I do it because of that. And people are happy to pay me because they're like, I can't get this somewhere else. And I can't solve my problem any other way. And uh, that's why I do it. Was there, I'd love to, I'd love to hear, thank you very much, Jenna, because I, I definitely can feel that from you easily, that passion and that authenticity. And you said, it's just that's the way that you did it. How, how did, how did the move to this needs to be a business happen? Because and I wonder as well, like in that process, was there a time where there was any pressure around making the business successful, or was that something you didn't feel or didn't have or decided not to focus on? Um, I started my business while I was in college, and I ended up sort of happening upon starting a business um, because I had taken all of these really fun college courses my freshman year, lots of different types of art classes and music classes. And I took a class about Gandhi and I took a class about myths and all these things that I felt were really important for me and my journey and where I want to go in my life. And I met with my advisor at the end of the year. And he, I said, these are all the classes I took. What major am I working towards? And he said, those are all electives. So nothing. (laughs) Right. So, um, luckily I said, well, shit, like, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to make books. I want to make paper. I want to share with people. I want to use my creativity and I don't want to be broke. How do I do that? And he told me you should do that as your major. So I made up my own major and I put entrepreneurial business and creative art integrated together as one major. And I spent four years figuring out how to make art marketable and not in the way where I wanted to only be a gallery artist, right? Because there's a lot of artists that that's the path that they're pushed on when you go to art school is to show galleries and that's how you're successful and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to be able to interact with the people that I'm making things for directly. And so um, making it profitable was built in. 
from the get-go when I was 19 years old and 20 years old of writing my business plan and building a website in 2003, um, which was not as easy to do in 2003. Um, but I will say that after I quit my full-time job, which I'd had for a long time in 2016, uh, to focus on running my business full-time and scaling it up. Um, at that point, it really changed the way that I saw my company because it was no longer my fun side gig where I was like, yeah, you know, like I'm making a profit, but whatever money I make, I can buy more art supplies and I get to make art. Making art is awesome. And that's great. If I make money, cool, but I got to do what I love. Um, but once I quit my job and no longer had a paycheck, I was like, okay, so now I have to think about this in a different way. Um, and it, it forced me to challenge a lot of my own preconceived notions and like the societal pressure that's put on artists that like, oh, why do you deserve to get paid and do something that you love at the same time? And <laughs> I know Josh knows I feel strongly about this because we talked about it last week, but um it changed my perspective on that, that I have literally spent decades training to do what I'm doing right now. And I am an expert at what I do and I can do what I do better than anybody in the world at what I do. And I deserve to be paid well for that because I spent a long time training how to do it in the same way that the quarterback on the football team trains their whole lives to do that. And they get paid a ton of money and that I should do. Ah, it's so cool, right? Because you've got this, I love what you said about that. You do it better than anyone else in the world, right? Like, you can't argue with that. There is no one else in the world that's you and does the things that you do in the same way you do it. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's, that's intrinsic, the intrinsic value that you have. And not many people see that for themselves. And not many people can, like, can say, because they compare, like they spend too much time comparing with other people. Uh, this person is roughly the same age as me, same area than me, and the same like business as me. I got to compare to that. How am I compared to that? But it takes away the value, right? It takes away the value of that individual if you're making a comparison with it. So it's, it's super powerful that that concept overall. What really struck me there as a success principle is because you pulled going back to when you said you were doing it as your major pulling that entrepreneurship together and immediately thinking about it because no doubt you're the artist right you think about it from an artist's point of view that's what sounds like that's what gives you the joy but knowing that all the way all the time is always well how do i think about this in terms of entrepreneurship how do i think about it in terms of business how do i manage it how do i structure it? how do i create an organization so that that was like really the part that's very interesting because it's so easy to jump in and do something and someone says you're really good at doing that like you should do that as a business doesn't mean you know how to run a business or start a business or be a successful business so thank you for sharing that that's that's a big that's a big distinction yeah i mean i can't say that accounting number one was the funnest class i took in all four years but it was really useful <laughs> you know it was a good class to take <laughs> definitely got to learn that stuff um at least the basics because most people who start a business started by themselves Right. You know, it's like, yes, there's people who come up with an idea and they're like, I could never implement this all by myself. And they fundraise and they start a huge team and it's a big startup. But in general, most people in the world who start their business, it's just them. And they're kind of working their way through the world. They have their things they're good at, things they're not so good at. And they do a lot of Googling, right? 
<laughs> do a lot of Googling, figure out how to start an Instagram, right? Um, and things like that. But um, asking for help, I think is like the, my number one piece of advice that I would give anybody else trying to start a business. Ask for help and then take it when it's offered. Um, cause I think most of the entrepreneurs I know who aren't really successful are people who think they can do it all by themselves and they don't ask for help. And then, uh, they get stuck in that rut of, of trying to do it all by themselves. And you, you can't, you can't, you can't do anything by yourself. I'm just wondering out loud, are you speaking from experience or what was the moment, Jenna, where you like, well, I'm ready for the help now. Was there, was there a time where you shut off the help or you were too proud to ask for the help and you you had some sort of traumatic experience along the way? Um, I think I've always been pretty good at asking for and accepting help in my life. Um, and it's one of the things that sort of um, through dealing with my own generational trauma is something that I knew that in order to survive in my own life, that outside of business in general, that I would need to learn how to ask people for help and take it. My mom was one of those people who was very, very proud and would never ask somebody for help and then take it, especially not her parents. And um, it made our livelihood kind of crappy at times as a kid where like, for instance, one winter we had no water in our house because she didn't like the water main broke and she didn't have money to fix it and dig up the yard and all this stuff. It was going to be like five grand or something and she just didn't have it. And rather than ask her parents to help her out, she let us live in a house with no water for the whole winter and things like that, that I was like, okay, I don't know what I want to do as an adult, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, like I, I would rather tell someone that I can't do it all by myself um, and rely on other people. And it is a constant struggle for me to be able to rely on other people like that. Um, but I would never be where I am right now had I not asked people for help and then took it. So and I try to give it back. <laughs> I try to help other people too, you know, give it out there in the world. That's the best part of paying it forward is that, you know, for, for no reason whatsoever, sometimes people, people have helped me on my journey that had no business doing it. There was nothing in it for them. It, it didn't make sense to me. But now that I'm sitting where I'm sitting, I, I see it so clearly that it's my responsibility now to do that for other people. If I have information and you know other people's success is my success and vice versa, so who am I to block that? And I think that's a, I don't know, that's maybe another principle I would share with our listeners that, for whatever reason, it's that comparison thing, coach, that you were talking about. We just have this tendency to try to be better than other people or beat other people, and I think there is a, a spot for competitiveness, obviously, but when we can help each other achieve our goals that's like the magic. That's, that's what this is all about. Yeah, I agree. There's like, you know, there's imposter syndrome and the struggle is real, right? The struggle is real to be like, I'm an expert. I'm going to put this out there. Um, but I've learned that if you put two people in a room and say, try to figure out how to get out of this escape room, if they don't work together, neither one of them is ever getting out. You know what I mean? And the world works in the same way that you're, you can create so many more things if you work together than if you try to hoard all the stuff and do it by yourself. So I try not to do that. 
hundred percent. I'm curious because I, I would love, would love for, to have you talk a little bit more about your business and what you're doing, how you interweave your creativity and your creative like mindset towards providing value for people. And then you said a few things about the business that I'm super intrigued about, and I'm sure the audience would like to know more about. You said luxury gift giving and like the papers involved. Talk talk to us more about that. So, um, without going too far back, the reason I started my company in the first place is I was dealing with all this trauma, and I started making all these artist books, um, which are a type of art form that where you use bookbinding techniques and the materials, the words the illustration, how you interact with it, sometimes how the materials feel, how it sounds. Um, They all work together to make one bigger concept or a bigger idea. And learning about those as an art form really just tapped into my soul, I guess. And that's, it's the, I've always wanted to be a poet since I was a little kid. And I, once I learned about this as an art form, I realized there were so many more ways that I could help people experience something as opposed to just looking at a painting or hearing a poem or looking at a sculpture that they could become part of the artwork and their reaction to it is part of the change that it affects into the world. And after they experience the artwork, they're different and they go tell somebody else about it. And I got really obsessed with the power of a single moment to change somebody's life forever. And you never know when that moment is happening for someone that you're talking to or interacting with, or someone who's interacting with a piece of artwork that you made. You never know if them interacting with that is going to be the thing that changes their whole life. And I really started focusing on intentionally crafting that moment for people. And so the heart of Papercraft Miracles is listening to my clients and then hearing the story that they're not telling me, (laughs) you know, like the spaces between the words that they're leaving and how to take the things that they are telling me, grab onto the things that they are kind of hinting at in the background, and then incorporating all of those parts of that story into something that makes that story tangible. And I do that. And then I put them in the mail and I send them to people and it's pretty dope. (laughs) So long story short, um, my company makes magical things out of paper that bring meaning to people's lives. And I know it seems kind of like a heady lofty thing. Like, Oh, what does that really mean? So a little example, I had a woman come to me whose friend was in hospice and she had this huge box of all these photographs from her friend's whole entire life. And she said, while my friend is still alive, I wanna be able to go through these photos with her and find out who all these people are before she's not here anymore to tell me who they are. So she gave me this box and she said, you make two copies of a book that has all these photos in it so I can go through it with her, sitting with next to her in hospice and I can write down who all these people are so that her family can have that forever. And so I made that happen like a way for a friend to connect with another friend in their final days to give something to that woman's family that she could have forever. And we used handkerchiefs that belonged to her friend as part of the cover of the book and like built them right into it and say, this book is made from her. And I mean, that's the kind of thing that you can't buy in a regular store, you know, like that experience of having your whole life put together and given to someone else. It's something that you 
you can't go get that at Walmart. You know what I mean? Um, and so I do that. I do that. And I would love to do that on a way grander scale. So I'm working on it. <laughs> oh, I got to ask, what, what does the way grander scale look like? <laughs> what is the what? What does the way grander scale look like? I mean, just having more visibility for what I'm doing and being able to share the possibility of things like that with other people. I mean, there's only so many magical things I can make by myself. And there are so many amazing, talented artists and artisans and creatives in the world who have no idea how to make any money and don't really want to run their own business and just right. want to be able to make art and make a living and take care of themselves and take care of their families. And so for me, being able to do what I do on scale, so that, like, the more visibility and brand awareness I can get from my company, the more of those artists I can employ um, to be able to make their living creatively and to bring their creative ideas into our studio space and to say, hey, I have an idea of how to make this project for that client who needs to say this thing to that person. I got an idea. Let's put this and this together. Um, and things like that. So, you know, it's the same thing, like asking for help. There's only so many hours in the day and there's so many artists in the world and uh, I want them all to get paid with their work. Artists are amazing. If there's anything that 2020 has taught us is that the arts are integral, important and life-changing and we would all die without them. <laughs> that's all I gotta say. Oh man, that, that's, that's so cool. It's cool to hear your passion, like we mentioned earlier. And the interweaving of, Coach and I talk about wowing our clients. It sounds like every client that you come across or that you serve is a wow. And our example is, you know, of the experience. We want to give that experience too. We make the comparison of the restaurant. I think I may have even mentioned this last week on, on the podcast. Is you can tell anybody about it. You, they can see it. But when they experience it, there's something else that just ties them to that moment. And to your point, you almost don't even know when that is. Like, obviously, if they get that gift, it's at that moment. But there's other moments throughout the interaction or, or having them having feel heard by you in that conversation with their, what their vision is. And then you kind of taking it in another direction or collaborating with them on it. It's got to be huge. So I think, I don't know, it's just you want visibility that this could be, you know, what this episode is all about. So maybe maybe give your a, a bit of a plug here with where we can find you or uh, social media and, and all that sort of stuff. Sure. So it's pretty easy to find us. Uh, the company is called Papercraft Miracles and our website is just papercraftmiracles.com. Um, if you Google us, you will find all our stuff. Uh, we are on Instagram at Papercraft Miracles, same on Facebook. Uh, I wouldn't even bother going to my Twitter because like, man, <laughs> I'm too verbose for that. Um, it's there, but it's at Paper Miracle. Um, but you don't get to see so as much there because I can never limit myself to 140 characters. <laughs> um, and I have a podcast as, as Josh said, it's called reach the stars podcast and you can find it at reach the Awesome. And you've already given advice and shared your story, but maybe something from today's conversation that, uh, is like a new aha for you or just a reinforcement of a principle that, that is super important to you that you could share with the, the audience today. Um, do it now. <laughs> just, just do it now. Do it now. Um, I, I have a friend, she's deceased now, but she is also a poet. Her name is Gabrielle Bion. And 
she got liver cancer. And the last public performance that she did was a poem preaching to the world saying, follow your dreams right now. Because five months ago, I didn't know I was going to die. And now I do. And we're all going to die. And you just don't, nobody knows when, you know, but you never know when you might get that terminal illness that you say, oh, I've only got six months to live and now I'm really going to start living, right? If you have that dream, that thing that keeps you up at night, that you can't stop thinking about because you really want to do that instead of what you're doing right now, find a way to do it. I'm not saying quit your job immediately and bankrupt your family. Like, no, maybe have some plans. Like, ask for help if you don't know how to do that. Make some plans, jot it out on a piece of paper, join some Facebook groups, you know, get in some LinkedIn groups, get your connections up there, but do it. Even if it's five minutes a week, set aside that time, put it in your phone, remind yourself to do it. And the more often you do it, the better you're going to feel for putting your dreams into action. Mm. Do it now. <laughs> do it now. And and to your point, I don't I think a lot of what holds people up is uh waiting for the perfect moment or the perfect action to take. It becomes clear along the way. You just have to start somewhere. And like you said, the consistency is is the best part about it. do it even for five minutes a day. Anything you you do for five minutes a day, it it will evolve into something else. It has to. You you get more clarity along the way. Yeah. Okay. I mean- Go ahead. Being consistent. I mean, that's what they always say is like, if you're trying to build your social media, what's the best thing to do? Is it to shame yourself and feel terrible if you post something that gets zero likes? No, not at all. Leave it alone. Skip it. Next, be consistent. Try something else the next day. If that doesn't work, see, oh, okay, well, if I put a funny picture up, then more people like it. Okay, do more of that. Your audience likes that, you know, like just be consistent. People are listening, even if they're not liking People are seeing it, even if they're not liking. It's out there and done is better than perfect. (laughs) Done is better than perfect. I noticed a couple of fist pumps from Coach as you were speaking. So Coach, how about you? Take away from today. (laughs) So many of those principles, Jenna, we we work to on a daily basis, right? It's like time's going to pass anyway, so might as well start now. And just something little, it's it's always progress over perfection and... um, so important so important just to to get things rolling and that story that you told about your friend and realizing that like we don't know how long we got like we need to hear that every day and it's like that we need to hear that every day and use that as a catalyst to start and build momentum and then it will will create a life of its own and then suddenly you're doing things every day which you love to do and then that creates more opportunity and it's like create opportunity what happens the more opportunity gets created just move towards something you want right Thank you very much for sharing. Appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. And, and my takeaway is uh, the, the confidence that you had and just the, the knowing that I am the expert. But that comes with, and you compared it to, you know, football and quarterbacks, do anything consistently for that long. I think you used the word decades. For decades, you're going to be the expert at something and you're going to interweave your own interpersonal things that you do in a unique way to make that happen. And that's what makes it you have no competitors, right? Even if there's other people in your industry, nobody's going to do the way, the things that you do the way that you do them. I think that's a huge principle to share with everybody. So thank you for that. All right, Jonna, thank you so much for joining us in this week's episode. We'll see you next week. Thank you.